You are listening to the Crossing Anchor Podcast in Detroit, Michigan. So glad to have you with us today. If this encourages you or helps, please share the word and bless others as well. Let's start with today's content. Now, just a reminder, in case you forgot, Psalm 23, it's about a shepherd and his sheep. David is using the illustration. David had a lot of experience because he was a shepherd for a lot of his life. And because of that wealth of experience that he had, he was able to draw from it and write this psalm. And in case you don't know, I just want to encourage you tonight because we're compared to sheep in this psalm. It's not necessarily a compliment, but it's not necessarily an insult. It's maybe a backhanded compliment or something. Sheep are, it's not, let me just say, it's, it ain't easy being a sheep. It ain't easy being a sheep. Can I get an amen? Can I get a, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's this old SNL skit called Goat Boy. Anybody remember Goat Boy? Okay. All right. Anyway, being a sheep ain't easy. There's problems. There's pitfalls. There's things to avoid. There's dangerous things that come to attack vulnerable sheep because they're not really easy to defend. It's not easy for them to defend themselves. They have to, on top of the outside forces coming against them, they also have to deal with their own stubbornness and stupidity. Um, can anybody relate? Is it, just, is it just me? Like, I am totally a sheep. But what's great when you read this psalm is that even with all those things being true about sheep, if you have the right shepherd, you're going to be just fine. And that's what this psalm is about, is that we have the best shepherd of all time who is in fact the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus takes such good care of his sheep. And he is so invested into the lives of his sheep. And he gives such personal and intimate and intricate care to his sheep. And it says in verse 2 and 3, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's where we're going to start tonight. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I think it's an interesting choice of words. He makes me. It doesn't say he suggests that I would lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say he strongly encourages me to lie down in a green pasture. It says he makes me. Why? Why would you have to be made to lie down? Well, I don't know if you know this, but in our world and in our culture, we have a serious problem with a lack of rest. Like, we are constantly on the go. And in fact, we value that, and we prize that, and we prioritize that. We, in fact, want to be known as people who are hardworking people. And so we'll work long hours, we'll fill our day with activities, we'll do all sorts of things because we kind of measure the worth of our life based on our productivity. The more we can get done, the more that we can show that we've accomplished, the more valuable we feel like we are. And so rest in our culture is almost like a four-letter word. I mean, it is a four-letter word, but you, you know what I mean. People are like, don't, or maybe you don't hear this, but you feel this. Don't you rest. You've got things that you've got to get done. Did you know that they estimate 705 million vacation days go unused every year? People who have an opportunity to take a break, but decide they're not going to. And of those, 212 million of those days are forfeited forever. People don't use their vacation days and then they're gone for good. And so why does this chapter tell us 
that he makes us lie down is because we don't want to. We don't want to rest. Oftentimes we resist rest. But the problem is when you don't rest, you are going to get wiped out. When you don't rest, you're going to break. Even athletes know this, professional athletes who spend their entire life trying to excel at a certain, certain sport or a, a certain thing. They, they work so hard, but they factor into their time replenishment, time where they can rest, time where they can give their muscles a chance to take a break. Because if not, so listen, if you don't take a break, you will break. And athletes know this. They know that they're putting their bodies at risk when they don't give them the rest that they need. And so we need to start to understand that this is true because we're battling against this very popular idea in our culture that doesn't just fill the secular world, but it also infiltrates the church. Like in the church, we're just as bad about this. We're like, we, we, we gotta do more, we gotta work harder. There was an, uh, an ancient, not ancient, I think I said that last week too when I quoted somebody who wasn't ancient. There was this guy about two or 300 years ago. His name was George Whitfield, famous evangelist. Him and John Wesley were kind of the two main guys who were the central figures in the Great Awakening. And George Whitfield, greatly used by God, amazing man, but he would say this, I would rather burn out than rust out. I'd rather burn out than rust out. All the respect in the world for George Whitfield. But are those the only two options? Like you have to either rust out or you have to burn out. I suggest to you that God offers a third option, which is where you can get rest for your soul. God calls us to calm. God calls us to calm and he makes us lie down. And sometimes we don't like it. Have you ever been at a point in your life where things just kind of are grinding to a halt. Hey, are these keys on? Okay. Okay, cool. I just couldn't hear them. Um, so this is when the Holy Spirit comes is when the keys are on. So I got to make sure that those are still happening. So back to what I was saying. Um, we sometimes get frustrated because things in our life will grind to a halt at moments in time. And we're like, why? Maybe it's even like a ministry thing. Why God, why? I'm trying to do something for you. And then we look at this verse and we have to realize maybe God's trying to make us rest. I think there's two ways that we can kind of apply this verse to our lives. One is that God wants us to rest and the way that he achieves that rest for us is through our rhythms and our routines. God wants us to rest in our rhythms and our routines. Have you heard of the Sabbath? The Sabbath, maybe you're familiar with that. It dates back to the beginning of time. God instituted the Sabbath when he created the world. So for six days, God was working hard. He was working so hard. He was creating planets. He was creating Neptune. He was creating Pluto. And he was like, I don't know if I'm going to call you a planet or if I'm just going to call you a big... <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Brian. These are the jokes, people. So, but it says in Genesis, it says that God rested on the seventh day. And then it says that God 
blessed the seventh day and called it holy. Here's what I want you to know tonight. Your rest is holy. Your rest is spiritual. Like we will shame people or even ourselves for taking a break and for resting, but that is not how God views it. God set it up at the beginning of time. He knew it was gonna be tough, that life was gonna be challenging, and he knew that we were finite creatures who would need a break. Question, did God need a break? No. God didn't need a, was he like, oh man, Jupiter really took it out of me. You seen that, that's a massive planet. It was super hard. The Milky Way galaxy, this was, I need, I need just a little bit of time to recover after that. No, God was just fine. God didn't do this because he needed a break. God did this because we needed a break. God knew that we were going to need to rest. And so like any good leader, he set an example for us to follow. And like any good leader, he set the pace. The word for Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat. And it just means he rested. And still to this day, the Jewish people, they'll greet each other on the Sabbath and they'll say, Shabbat Shalom. And Shalom means peace. So he's just saying, they're saying rest and peace to each other. You see, a lot of us are lacking peace because we don't have pace. I'll say it again because that was way better than how you reacted. A lot of us are lacking peace because we don't have pace. <laughs> I forced it. You see, God wants us to have healthy rhythms and routines. God wants us to have a sense of pace in our lives. And the problem is that we just, at times, will not turn off at all. And we'll wonder why we feel so frazzled and why we feel so frantic and why our life feels like it's falling apart. And we think the solution is to do more and do more and do more. But I'm telling you right now, the solution is for you to rest. You need to set the pace in your life that will lead you to peace. That's why God established the Sabbath. Six days, you work, one day, you rest. Six days, you work, one day, you rest. It sounds like a rhythm, doesn't it? Six days, you work, one day, you rest. This is how God set it up for us to operate. But I think that we resist rest at times because maybe we misunderstand rest. Rest is not just inactivity. A lot of us have that wrong idea that rest is just, I kick my feet back on the couch and I watch movies all day. That can be rest, but rest is not just inactivity. Rest is actually calming down your soul. And I think that we have a, a wrong idea sometimes of what rest is, and then we get done with our rest and we wonder why we don't feel rested. And it's because, here, I've got an iPhone, and sometimes my iPhone will like go down in battery and I don't know why, it's locked, it's not even running. I'm, I, I don't have any idea why the battery is getting drained. But now there's this feature on iPhone that will tell you how your battery is used. It'll tell you which applications are using the most battery and how it's kind of sucking the life out of your iPhone. And what you'll find is that sometimes you've allowed a certain application to run in the background. 
you, you, you've allowed it to track you at all times or you've allowed it to literally listen to you or to send you notifications and to constantly be checking for the mail. And so what's happening is even though your phone is off, it's not off. It's still running. And there's so many of us today who we're not getting rest because even when we take a moment to stop, our mind is still running. Even when we take a break, our soul is still going. And there's just this constant hum in the background, kind of like an air conditioner that's going, you know, like all the time. You see, there's two kinds of rest that you need. There's a rest when you're tired and there's a rest that is because of peace. There's differences. You, you really, you need both kinds of rest, but the rest that requires peace is not just gonna happen because you took some time off. I think that you definitely need to do that. You definitely need to establish the right rhythms and routines in your life. You should have a Sabbath and you should take a break, but that not, in and of itself is not necessarily gonna give you peace. That's why this verse says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It's almost like the implication is, there will even be times that are outside of your routine and that are outside of your rhythm where God tells you, you need to rest. And you have to listen to him in those moments. And when you push past those moments, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to get stressed and you're going to feel like you don't wanna keep going on and you're gonna feel like you're gonna get burnt out. Just the other day, um, we had some stuff planned. It was Friday and uh, I was, you know, trying to get this stuff done. And then we had that massive rainstorm and it made me have to cancel all my plans. And I went home and I was even trying to still do stuff. And I was talking to my wife, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? And then she was like, you know, I just, what if we just have a family day? And it was God saying to me, I'm making you lie down in a green pasture today. Like you can't do the stuff you were going to do. The rain is stopping all of your plans and this is an opportunity for you to rest. And let me tell you that when you listen to that voice, when you listen to God leading you to rest, it's gonna replenish you. It's gonna make you feel rejuvenated. And so we do need to have rhythms and routines, but we also just need to listen to the voice of our shepherd when he tells us to rest. I love how it says that he makes you lie down in green pastures. Like God has the dopest places for you to take a break. He really does. Like he has the best places for you to relax for a little bit. And, and sometimes it might be a physical location. Like God might bless you and you might take a trip with your family to the Bahamas and you might be able to just jump in the water. And some of you, you know, you're going to, to Mexico. It's like the only place you could travel during the the COVID-19 lockdown, you know, like you're, you're finding places to go and take a break. And sometimes God will, will give you that opportunity, but the green pastures don't have to be a physical location. Here's what this verse means. When it says he makes me lie down in green pastures, it's saying he makes me lie down in a place that will refresh and replenish me. Sheep love to eat grass, right? And so when they lie down and take a break in green pastures, they have all this stuff that they can fill up on. What a break might look like for me might not be what a break look, looks like for you. There's certain things that are gonna replenish you that are not gonna replenish me and vice versa. Some of you, on your day off, 
you're going to have like 10 different conversations with 10 different people and it's going to be like the best thing ever and it's just going to fill your tank up and you love relationships and conversations and like that's what you need. If that happened to me, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> like I need some time away. I kind of replenish by myself a lot of times. You have to be careful with that too because you can't do that too much. But that wouldn't be a restful day for me. A restful day for me would be hanging out with my family, watching Black Widow on my birthday, and eating at a new restaurant. Those are like, I love that. I feel like my soul has been refreshed. What is it for you that makes you feel refreshed? Maybe you're not getting rest because on your days off, you aren't actually doing things that refresh you. Start to put some things in that are like, man, I love this, I look forward to this. God never intended for the Sabbath to be something that you did not look forward to. The Sabbath was supposed to be the best day of the week. Like families in Israel, they would look forward to this day where they didn't have to worry about the nine to five, all the other stuff that was going on in their week, all the stress, all the problems. It was supposed to be a day where you cooked the meals the day before, so you didn't even have to cook. Can I get an amen? You don't even have to cook. Those of you who are the, the, the chefs at your house, you just, you just sit around with your family and you eat and you remember that God did the work for you. Did you know that the Sabbath was Adam's first day on planet Earth? It's like God woke him up and said, hey, it's already all taken care of. You need to be reminded about that. That God doesn't need you, but he wants you, but he's doing just fine running the universe. And so you can take a break in green pastures. Anybody encouraged by what Psalm 23 tells us? That we can be made to lie down in green pastures. I'm just going to kind of move a little bit more quickly through the rest of this, these two verses. It says right after that that he leads me besides still waters. Sheep, like every creature on earth, to be uh, honest, every creature on earth like drinks water, loves water for the most part, needs water. Sheep are no different. And what would happen with sheep is sometimes they would get so excited about seeing some water, like a river or a brook or whatever, that they would just go and like headfirst plunge into the water so they could get a drink. But they wouldn't necessarily pay attention to the body of water that they were drinking from. And so the current could be going really strong and the water could be moving really fast. And now that sheep is being carried down the river and is drowning. That's why this verse says, he leads me besides still waters. Waters that you can actually go and take a drink from and not worry about drowning while you're doing it. But the problem is with us is we're actually a lot like sheep is we see things that we think are gonna satisfy our thirst. And we plunge headfirst into those waters, not realizing that sometimes those waters are dangerous. And they're actually gonna take us out. And they're actually not going to refresh us and fill up our soul. But we, we think they will. And maybe for a moment, it seems like that water is satisfying us. Like, it seems like that thing that we're doing is making us feel a sense of purpose and meaning. But then as you go down the path of drinking that water, you realize it hasn't satisfied my thirst and 
I'm drowning. The sheep would have to be rescued by the shepherd. He would bring his staff and he would have to go and literally like see if he could get at a place on the bank where he could go and he could scoop the sheep and bring them back in with his rat or with his rod. I want to know today, have you fallen in the water? Did you find something that you thought was going to satisfy you? Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was some kind of like toxic thing that at first seemed like it was good or maybe it was alcohol or maybe it was partying or maybe it was whatever. And for a moment, it filled you up, but then you found out that you were drowning. The shepherd wants to lead you beside still waters. And the shepherd wants you to know two things. If you are caught in the water, number one is that he's not mad at you. He just wants to rescue you. If you're drowning, he just wants to get you out of the water so that you can survive. Sometimes we have God work in our lives and it doesn't feel comfortable. Like, why are you trying? Why are you stopping this? Why aren't you doing this? And God's like, I'm actually trying to rescue you. God cares about you and he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he just wants to get you out from drowning. And number two is that the shepherd actually wants to quench that thirst in your soul. Like he wants to fulfill that thirst, that longing that you have deep down inside. And he's the only one who can. Only your, your soul was only made to be satisfied from the living water that God provides. One time I went rafting when I lived in Montana and I had gone down this section of river before with like a professional rafting guide. And there was, I mean, think six of us in this raft and he was telling us what to do and we made our way down. And then my friends and I just decided to do the, the rapids on our own one day. Bad decision number one. And then we decided we weren't gonna get a big sturdy raft. We were gonna get a little, like little tubes like that you use in swimming pools. Like, you know, the ones where you're like, your, your butt goes kind of in the center and you can have your little margarita or whatever over here and you're like sipping on it as you're like floating through the pool. We're like, let's go down a class four or a class five rapid in one of these. So we had our own little tubes and for the most part, it was actually really fun. We were having a great time. Then we get to the really intense rapid, the one that depending on the time of year as a class four or a class five. And so we pull off to the side, we look at the rapid, we eye it, we're like, okay, let's pull out the big guns. So four of us jump on a three-seater tube that we had pulling along with us. All will be fine. So we drop down the rapid. I think it's like an eight-foot drop. We hit the water, and then the rapid just spills us out. Or the, the water, like, tips us over. And so my friends, they were um, kind of just like sucked past the rapid and they popped up on the other side. Well, this rapid was also like kind of like a whirlpool. And the rock, there was this rock that if you got caught in the wrong place, it would trap you against the rock. And I did not know this when we went to the rapid, but somebody had literally died there the week before at that same spot. And so I 
get caught in this rapid and it like, it like, at one point I lift up out of the water and I take a big breath of air in. I remember like the training, like always, you know, put your feet first so that if you hit something, your feet hit it and then like just stay calm. So I was like, okay, I'm calm. And then finally it popped me back up above the water and I was like, <gasps> I breathe in, but all the water from the rapid is just filling up my mouth. And then it pulls me back down and I'm like trapped and the water, I don't know if like, if I was dying or not, like things started to turn white. It could have been the water from the rapid. I'm not sure. I was down there for a little while and I was like, this is it. I'm going to die. I had just broken up with this girl and it was a, it was a bad breakup. And I remember thinking, I need to tell this girl that I love her. <laughs> then God brought something much better my way later. But I remember I thought I was going to die and then all of a sudden I popped up on the other side of the, I don't know what happened. I, I, it was like a miracle and I survived. And my friend told me later that he had come up out of the water first and he had saw people like kind of almost getting trapped in that spot. And he saw me and he saw my friend and my friend was in less good shape than me. And he had kids. And so he's like, well, he made a quick decision and he saved my friend. It's like, okay, I, I, I understand the reasoning. It still doesn't feel good, but I get it. All that to say, how many of us have gotten caught in the water and we're like gasping for air and, and we're looking to the wrong places to quench our thirst. And now we're in a dangerous place where we need the shepherd to come and to rescue us. Listen, Jesus wants to fill your soul with his living water so that you never have to thirst again. You never have to run back to that place where you've been going to for satisfaction again. You never have to call that person up again. You never have to lie to get your way again. You never have to fill in the blank because Jesus will satisfy your soul. Then it says this, it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. I feel like righteousness almost has, the word itself almost has a negative connotation in our world today. And people associate you if you're, you know, like you call yourself righteous, you're a holy roller or you're too good for them or you think you're better than everybody else. A lot of people think this about Christians. But the truth is, I don't think that really what people disdain is righteousness or righteous living. I think what they don't like is self-righteous living. People who think they're better than other people. People who look down their nose at other people. People who think they're more spiritual than everybody else. Listen, Jesus wasn't like that at all. And he was the most righteous person who ever lived. And yet sinners and prostitutes and outcasts, they loved hanging out with Jesus. So righteous living shouldn't repel people. Righteous living should attract people. Righteous living should make people want to come around you. Righteous living should inspire people. It doesn't mean that you have to be like, you know, somebody cusses in front of you and you're like, um, excuse me. Would you watch your language? Or somebody takes the Lord's name in vain and you're like, oh, I'll tell him that you said his name. Now, like, are those things wrong? Like, sure. 
But is that going to do anything to make people want to serve the God that you serve? Listen, righteous living has this capability to actually bring people into your life and make them want what you have. Righteous living is right living. It's, it's like the best kind of living. It's like the life to the fullest type of living that Jesus tells us that we can have. Righteous living is something that should mark our lives as followers of Jesus. It says he leads me in paths of righteousness. If you're being led down a path of unrighteousness, the shepherd's not the one leading you down it. Jesus always is leading you down a path of righteousness, of integrity, of purity, of wholeness, of true satisfaction. That's the, the pavement on the road that he's leading you on. But the problem is that sometimes we find a way that seems easier. We find a way that looks like a shortcut that seems to, like it's gonna take us to the destination that we want. And so we start following that path and it ends in a very dangerous place. You don't wanna follow the path of unrighteousness. That path leads to destruction. You wanna follow the path of righteousness because that's gonna lead you to the destination that the shepherd wants to take you to. We are led in paths of righteousness. When God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. He's not holding out on you. He has something for you. He leads us down paths of righteousness. And then I'm going to close this out. He says, for his name's sake. Listen, God is doing all this for the glory of his name. I think that sometimes when we see where scripture talks about how it's all for the glory of God, we almost get a little bit like uncomfortable. Like, hold on, I thought it was all about me. I thought God was like all about me. Listen, God loves you like a lot. God is very much in love with you. But at the same time, the end destination of everything that was created on earth is not for your glory but it's for his. And I think that we already understand this concept, but for some reason when it comes to God, we just feel weird about it. Like your favorite sports team, there's thousands of people in an arena cheering their heads off, not probably at Comerica Park because we've got a long ways to go, but imagine a, a, a baseball team that's winning, you know? And, and we're all like, there's thousands of people in this stadium. They're all cheering for one thing, for one team, for the glory of that team. And we understand that there's things that are bigger than us. In fact, we're drawn to be a part of things that are bigger than us. Like there's people who join the military because they're like, I want my life to count for something. I want to serve my country. I want to do something that's bigger than me. There's people all the time who get involved in things that are ultimately for something greater than themselves. Listen, the best thing that you can use your life to invest into is the glory of God. We should be like all about, like I wish we had a church that was just, I am passionate about the glory of God. I care more about His glory than I care about anything else. And listen, when you get on that train about God's glory, 
Let me just tell you, you will find the most joy. God's glory and your joy are inseparable. They're like interwoven together. And so that's why this path of righteousness, it says that he leads us on it for his name's sake. How you live is going to determine what other people think about the shepherd. Your righteousness or unrighteousness, your impurity or purity, your joy or lack of joy, your life in total, all of it is going to determine what other people think about the shepherd. And so I want to encourage us tonight to be about something that's greater than us, to be about something that will last, to be about something that is eternal, and that is the glory of God. And if you're like, well, I don't like being led down a path of righteousness. I would rather choose my own way. Well, tough. It's not about you. It's about him. And what you do, the glory of God and his reputation are literally being put into your hands. Like God's going to be glorious regardless of if we glorify him or not. But the way that people will give him glory has something to do with how we live our lives. I, I just want to be so caught up in his glory and in his fame and in who he is. And listen, when you truly have an encounter with him and an experience with him, that's all you want to do anyway. Like you just want to praise his name. You just want to bring him glory. You just want to live for him. So let me encourage you, let God strip away the things that you're living for that are less important than that. Whether it's your own glory or whether it's your success or your thing or whatever, let God do a work in your life where you just get consumed about him. You get fired up about him. You, you get this propulsion in your life, this engine that's running, that's just like supercharging you to be about the glory of God. Tonight, we're gonna finish with one worship song and then we're gonna take communion together as that worship song is going. And maybe there's something in this message that has just like struck a chord and you're like, I'm not following Jesus down the path of righteousness. And listen, God already knows anyway. It's not like he's gonna be surprised when you finally come to that conclusion. Like, yeah, that's probably not a good way to live my life. And communion, what it does is it reminds you two things, is it reminds you the grace that you have because of what Jesus did, that you couldn't ever earn it. You, you couldn't ever do enough good things for God to just ultimately give you forgiveness and favor. You just had to receive that grace. So communion reminds you of that, reminds you of how much he loves you. But it also reminds you of the price that he paid for you to be forgiven. And when you remember that, it should make you want to be like, God, my life is not about me and it's not my own, it's yours. And so will you forgive me and will you change me? And communion helps remind us of that. So Rob is gonna distribute communion to us or you've already done that? 
you guys already have the communion supplies. So during this next song, what we're going to do is just on our own, there's like two parts to this little communion thing. There's the top that you peel off and there's a little wafer and then there's the bottom that you open up and it's the juice. And what I want you to remember tonight are the, the bread or the, the wafer is symbolic of Jesus' body that was broken for us. The blood, the juice is symbolic of his blood that was spilled for us. And if you're here tonight and you have never yet received the forgiveness of God, it's available to you tonight. Like Jesus already paid for it. There's nothing you have to do to earn it except receive it. That's all you have to do. And if that's you, I want you to, before you take communion, just say, dear God, I am a sinner. I need your grace and your forgiveness. Come into my life and change me. You're my Lord and Savior. And if you do that, then you can take communion and know what it's like to take it as a child of God, like as a newly born child of God. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, just take some time to pray, to reflect. And then when you're ready, you can take that on your own. But if you do tonight say, I want to start following Jesus, then on that connect card that I mentioned earlier, there's a, a box that says, I'm making a fresh start with Jesus. Before you leave tonight, would you please fill that out and drop it in the clear box in the back? Because we'd love to just encourage you in this new beginning that you're starting tonight and be able to help you on this new path to following Jesus. So let's pray together and then we'll worship and, uh, and take communion. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace that we could never earn or deserve, but you freely gave to us. Thank you, God, that you love us infinitely more than we could ever love you. Thank you that you are constantly good to us, that you are a good shepherd. And when we get off course, you bring us back. You're so committed to us. And Lord, I, I just pray for those who are tonight maybe sensing from your spirit that some things need to change or they need to get back onto the path that you have from, that they would just see that your way is ultimately the best way. Thank you for the work that you did at the cross. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Cross and Anchor podcast from Detroit, Michigan. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and share this with others. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. And let's live our lives on purpose this week.